Welcome back to another series of Game Changers. Series six, that's huge. Adriano, the team from A School for Tomorrow, and I want to thank everyone for their amazing support of our little podcast. We began in March 2020 wondering what it might be like to have a chat with some of the great educators and thinkers out there who are changing the game of school. The response has been so encouraging. Over 75,000 listens to date and growing each day. We didn't expect that so many might want to listen in to us and join the community and yet it just confirms what we knew in our hearts about the courage and the kindness of so very many who want to take the big step forward and up. Our most recent Series 5 has continued to build our audience reach. It's helping us to refine our advocacy for those in education wishing to change the game of school. So we're now wondering what might a new story in education look like? What might it feel like to know that your students are growing in their character, competency and wellness in the whole ecosystem of a human-centred, technologically enriched people and place and planet conscious and intentionally purposeful learning community? That's a very big sentence and we're going to unpack it over the next wee while. So let's do this thing. Let's cook up a treat. Let's talk about the hope of what a new story brings. Adriano. A new hope? It sounds like Star Wars. You must be Yoda. I'm excited. I can't wait. Let's go. <laughs> well, it's it's so great to be with you, mate. And 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 it's lovely uh, to hear from you, uh, or should I say, uh, Obi Wan? I'm not really sure about where this is going today. And and it's lovely to have you back, of course, in in the People's Democratic Republic of Fitzroy. Ah, the force is strong in this one, even if he is an art teacher. Look, it's <laughs> lovely to be back in Fitzroy, the greatest suburb in the world. Over our summer, when you know, and, and we're recording this at the start of February, uh, you and I, of course, had the opportunity to visit the Triennial Exhibition at the National Gallery of Victoria. Um, and I had the opportunity to reacquaint myself with coffee, street art, and of course, the little quinoa trees that are, that, that are growing very nicely in my, uh, in my front yard. You know, I just go out and pat them every now and then. Um, how's Sunshine West treating you, mate? Sunshine West is, is glorious today, mate. It is a little chilly today in Melbourne, which is very unusual for this time of the year, considering it is uh, in our summer. But uh, yeah, it's a little, little breezy, a little cool, but generally Sunshine West is travelling just beautifully. Everything that, is, is, that needs to be in place is in place here in Sunshine. Before we start our conversation, Phil, can you share with our audience a little insight into our series premium sponsor? Thanks, Adriano. Of course. We are delighted to be partnering with the team at Open Parachute. If you want to teach mental health to your students, but you don't have time to become an expert, Open Parachute can help. Learn more at openparachute.com.au. You know, Phil, by its very nature, a crisis turns everything on its head. And during this age of unparalleled disruption, I am sure I am not alone in feeling at times a sense of hopelessness from time to time. Many of us go through this kind of thing at some point. There's a, a kind of loss of innocence many of us experience, a time when we realise just how accurately broken the world is and how hopeless or helpless we are to make any kind of real and meaningful change. After all, each of us is just one small person. And I often ask myself, well, what can we do? Having said that, often what paralyzes life is a lack of faith in self, place and the other and a lack of audacity. And the construct of hope is still an audacious enterprise, remembering that an audacious hope is about daring hearts. It is the brave choice to embrace the wholeness of truth from within and, of course, from around us. Hope is not simply wishful thinking. 
It is a confident expectation that a desirable change is likely to happen. It is the kind of moral imagination that Jacqueline Novogratz eloquently describes, and I quote, moral imagination, the humility to see the world as it is and the audacity to imagine the world as it could be. I love that. Hope is part of everyone's life. Everybody hopes for something. It is inherent part of being human. Hope helps us define what we desire for our futures and is in part uh, of our kind of personal narrative, this ongoing story that we tell ourselves. If we listen to Dr. Judith Rich, a pioneering teacher in the field of transformation and consciousness, she contends, hope is a match in a dark tunnel, a moment of light, just enough to reveal the path ahead and ultimately the way out. So to speak of hope in a time of comfort, I kind of feel trivializes things. To speak of hope when the situation feels desperate or even dire is to make an audacious claim. It is the moment we should dare to believe, the exact time to dare to hope, striving toward a good future, as I like to say, a better normal. So Phil, what's hope got to do with all of this in, in our learning context? Some schools have already been on this kind of journey of this new hope, this new story, this new quest as they keep moving forward. At the center of this new story is an explicit social contract based on the reality that our young people are home to a life and that individual and collective wellness are the foundations for life within any community. What we have learned from the pandemic gives us a continuing opportunity, an audacious hope for a new learning framework for our new world environment. Ah, audacious indeed, my friend. I love talking about hope with you. I, I really, really enjoy exploring this notion of the role of hope. And I really like the quote that you mentioned in particular from, from Judith. And, and we might pick up on that notion, that image just a little bit later. For now, let's think about the leadership of the game changers that we've already met and the, the game changers that we are going to talk to in this series six. And let's talk about the way in which they wrestle with this notion of hope. For many years now, we've appreciated the work of uh, Jeff Southworth in his analysis of successful leadership in UK schools, published by CSE in 2009, Jeff notes that a sense of meaning, value and ambition is just as important for school leaders in their work as it is for teachers and students. And he identifies a range of core leadership tasks essential to the work of successful school leaders. And it's really important to note, this isn't just some, I reckon, kind of theory. This is actually him going and talking to people who lead schools out of underperforming situations into high-performing situations. So these are the qualities and the traits that actually work in, uh, in helping schools move forward and taking that big step forward and up. Leaders need to build vision and set direction. They need to understand and develop people. They need to redesign the organisation constantly and they need to manage the teaching and learning program. Now, what might you ask? Adriano are the key character traits of such leaders. Well, to start with, open-mindedness and a willingness to learn from others. Flexibility as opposed to dogmatic thinking. A strong moral compass within a system of core values, including persistence and resilience. And finally, and most critically, optimism and a positive disposition. It's this which both inspires game changers and also helps them to inspire others to build schools in which we put things in their right place. It locates practice within purpose, which itself is mediated against a sense of the people and the place and the planet 
that define the culture and values which ensure that we might belong, that we might achieve our potential and we might do what is good and right in the world. That's people, place, purpose, practice and the planet. And yet many communities within Beyond Education have been struggling, haven't they? With varying degrees of success to create a sense of unity among the diversity of people within them. Some communities have lost touch with what is good and bountiful and can only see negativity. They cannot turn adversity into opportunity and they seem no longer to have the courage and kindness that are required in equal measures to take the big step forward and up. They look to others to redress past wrongs and to remediate their present condition and to provide a new future without realising that their best prospect comes first in the way that they approach what they have been given by others, what is right in front of them and their capacity to influence the direction from here on by giving in return giving, not taking. They've lost that sense of reciprocity and interdependence that is essential to any community that's equipped, empowered and enabled with the voice and agency required to thrive in the new world environment. I believe, Adriana, that they lack hope. Mm. They lack gratitude for the opportunities that are presented to them and that they're standing still waiting for the world to happen to them. Doesn't need to be like this, mate, does it? No, it doesn't. Doesn't need to be like this. And from what we're seeing in schools all around the world, we're convinced that every school needs a shared sense of purpose to realise the possibility of that hope of a future with better outcomes for its learners by moving forward together, grounded in the qualities of adaptive expertise and self-efficacy. Let me just dwell on those two things for a moment because they, they encapsulate the doing of hope. Adaptive expertise means how we build character and competencies and then how we use these to solve known and new problems. It is in essence, our commitment to growth. Self-efficacy means how we organize ourselves in the way we learn, we live, we lead and work to optimize our character, competency and wellness so that we can thrive in our world. It is our capacity to determine the course of our lives. Mm -hmm. Now these qualities of adaptive expertise and self-efficacy can and do help us to pay attention to the needs of yesterday, today and tomorrow, to serve our people and place and planet through enacting our purpose in our practice. In a rapidly changing world where it's challenging to see the way forward, we need that match, don't we? We need that spark, that light that will show us through the dark tunnel from time to time. And it's these things that will help us to bring lasting meaning, strong direction and genuine value to those around us and us as well. My friend, what we've learned from our game changes and, and from the broader A School for Tomorrow network over the past year is that we as educators have the capacity and even the power to make anything happen or not happen, as the case may be, in schools. It all depends on our attitude. If we sit with each other and gnaw away at our individual and collective sense of worry and, and, and we feed the apprehension of fear, we can and we will kill any idea. On the other hand, if we have that audacity that you're talking about, if we're bold with our hope and we're generous with our gratitude, and if we're inclined towards the future, we can and we will continue to change the game of school. You know, last year we wrote about what this might look like for, for leadership in schools in our Continuous Learning Toolkit Volume 1, which was about people and practice. We put this and our other toolkits together to provide guidance to schools about the way forward. And we derived our thinking for them from the collective wisdom of colleagues from our research and consulting network around the world to provide our members, listeners and followers with a way forward. Ten things we talked about. 
Number one, you have to change the game. Number two, you have to learn continuously. Number three, you have to learn well. Number four, you have to ask the right questions. And number five, you have to map the journey ahead. Number six, you have to equip yourself. Number seven, empower learners. Number eight, design solutions. Number nine, learn together. And number 10, you have to partner with families. These lessons continue to serve our game changers well. So Adriano, the way of hope and gratitude, the way forward to a future that will prepare our students to thrive in their world is, of course, to be a school for tomorrow. Yeah, it's really exciting, Phil, and, and, and I'm perfectly with you in this space of, of hope and gratitude. It's, uh, it's that level of optimism that we now need as we grow out of this pandemic into, into uh, you know, a, a better normal going forward. You know, Otto Sharma, the, the senior lecturer uh, in the MIT Management Sloan School and the co-founder of Presencing Institute once said, our society must move from an ecosystem to an ecosystem e economics. This requires that we shift from ecosystem silos to ecosystem awareness that considers others and includes the whole. The shift from Sharma's ego to ecosystem requires an intentional kind of tuning in journey, a deep consciousness of self, our place and the other, representing our capacity to imagine the world with fresh eyes and to suspend the legacy of old habits of thought and practice it is a hope filled as it requires us to begin to act with care and empathy, not just for ourselves, but our planet, and of course, every living other. It's clear to us that everyone in education needs to be open to recasting the purpose of schooling as we individually and collectively write this kind of new story, this new hope. In the Australian context, of course, if we are truly committed to realising goal number one, the Australian education system promotes excellence and equity as stated in the 2019 Alice Springs De uh, Education Declaration. Well, then we must develop a learning ecosystem where each individual has a deep sense of belonging, where they're seen, where they're heard and valued and loved, irrespective of race, ethnicity, age, religion, ability, identity, gender, and of course, sexual orientation. So. There is so much to digest in all that we have just kind of shared about this new world environment we find ourselves in. A new world environment our young people will ultimately inherit, Phil. The changing of the game and the pervasive nature of technology, the challenges of megatrends, the changing landscape of the world of work, and clear lessons from lockdown. All of these things are shaping a new tomorrow or a new story or a new hope. It is time for us to create a new learning ecosystem where wellness comes first, where we accept that time is now fluid. Therefore, only on-campus timetable structures as we once knew them are over. And where fostering community, as you've illustrated about partnering with parents and beyond, is ultimately king. It is time to choose to allow our students to go on a personal journey of discovery that will give them the character and competency and wellness to be a generation of healthier, happier and more confident young people who can truly thrive in the new tomorrow of their world. It is time to learn well toward a better normal. Let's pause for a moment to remind our listeners about the important work of Open Parachute for wellness in schools. You know your students are struggling with their mental health, but you're not a trained therapist. Open Parachute can help you. Learn more at openparachute.com.au. So Yoda, <laughs> you know I love my Star Wars. Yes, you do. You, you know I do. Um, you also know that I love cooking. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling a culinary metaphor coming on right now. Okay. Okay, we're both Aussies. Master Chef Phil. There we go. We're both Aussies. So what better symbol of hope than a pie?
And for any of our North American uh, listeners, we're talking a savory pie here. We're talking a hot, tasty meat pie or perhaps a veggie pie with a mashed potato top. We've already prepared the supporting superstructure for our pie, and that's the crust. We've talked about being future-focused, about being hope-filled and grateful for opportunities. As we think about what this new ecosystem might look like, I want us now to turn to the four ingredients of the rich, hearty filling of our pie, Adriano. I want us to think about being human-centred. I want us to think about being technology-rich, about being people and place and planet conscious, and about how we need to be intentionally purposeful about it. So let's run our way through these ingredients, shall we? Ingredient number one is human-centred. For learning communities, a positive sense of belonging and individual wellness has to support a base for rich learning growth and achievement. And we've seen this already, and we've explored a lot of this already in our earlier series of Game Changers. The ecosystem that this lives in, this human-centered ecosystem, needs to enable all learners to thrive throughout their time at school and beyond. Wellness and the full flourishing of the individual cannot be separated from learning. Post-COVID-19, and indeed, during COVID-19, we have the powerful potential to positively disrupt education. And the story is genuinely human-centered, human-led reimagining. And why should it stop? It's imperative, therefore, that the new story for all learning communities needs to develop a learning ecosystem model that equips the learner, empowers the learner, and enables the learner, positioning human-centered wellness as a paradigm at the heart of school life with clear and explicit aspirations around relationships, partnerships, connection, safety, inclusion, diversity, equity, authentic participation, agency. I think it all comes down to one word, and that's belonging. Human-centered ecosystems are ecosystems in which human beings feel as though they belong. So ingredient number two, that's technology enriched. Our profession has struggled with technology really hasn't it, over the last 30 years. But over the past year, Adriana, we've heard many stories from educators who've spent much time, uh, much of that, that, that 30 years resisting the embedding of technology and learning, feeling as though somehow that technology was antithetical to what really good learning is all about. Many of these educators have come to recognise over the past year that technology, when it's well used and in context, is such a powerful tool to connect them with their purpose. They've gained increasing mastery over this tool in ways that they might not have imagined. And their professional autonomy has actually been enhanced, not diminished through its use. And of course, they've had to work hard to do that. And they might be feeling tired and they might be feeling a little weary of virtual meetings. And we wouldn't blame them for yearning for a little bit more face-to-face -face contact. After all, we're social beings. And, and during the pandemic with the transition to online, we've been reminded of those things that we value the most. We've, 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 we've reminded ourselves about relationships, about community, about the curiosity of young people and the real power of self-determined learning. We've certainly learned that if you change the context and you change the circumstances, you can't just keep pumping out the same old, same old, same old. You know, you can't do six lessons a day of, of direct instruction in a virtual space. It just doesn't work uh, that way. You need to think and you need to do things um, that, that, that are purposeful, that are authentic. And when we do these, what's clearer than ever in the same way that we might already use a properly embedded wellness check-in system or a learning management system, that new technologies can help us to enhance learning 
that's taking place when and where it needs to occur. And the role of the teacher is an essential expert in the business of the development of character competency and wellness. Well, that hasn't changed. Mm. That's still there, isn't it? The culture and context of successful learning, therefore, is not just about the four walls of a classroom anymore. Technology and risk school ecosystems could provide the necessary flexibility and access to anytime, anywhere learning, as we say, on campus, online and on country. So the third ingredient of our rich, substantial, nurturing pie <laughs> with meat or vegetarian or even vegan options, it's about people, place and planet consciousness. Now, you shared with me recently, Adriana, as you do, because you love the planet, don't you? And you, you're, 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 you, you bang on all the time about the sustainability thing. And, and God bless you for doing that, too, because it's so important to remind us all the time of this. Well, you, you, you gave me some words from, from the great David Attenborough, that man that we can all remember growing up in our pyjamas on a Sunday night at 7.30, watching something that he did that opened our eyes to the wonder of the world and gave us curiosity about who we are, what our place is and what our purpose is along the way. So Attenborough says that the whole of life is coming to terms with yourself and the natural world. Why are you here? How do you fit in? What's it all about? He invites us into a personal reckoning and an exploration of our truth and our place and our role in this gloriously complex and absorbing world we have as responsible citizens. He reminds us that we're all part of this place, not simply visitors to our planet. And as a consequence, each one of us, particularly when we work in education, we know, Adriana, that the one thing that we get the strongest response from teachers when we work with them doing online or in-person professional development and workshops and processes and courses is when we ask them, what is your purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you here? And, and it's that question that we need to be asking ourselves all the time. What is the object of this sense of people and place and planet consciousness? How and why should we be both human-centred and technologically enriched? We need a whole educational framework and a supportive ecosystem so that we might together prepare our students to learn, to live, to lead, to work well, so that they might thrive, they might succeed with a deep consciousness of their voice, their agency, and as you would always say, their advocacy for the world around them to ensure all living things thrive in this new story of our individual and collective tomorrows. It's too important to leave this up to chance. It's too important to leave this unsaid. It's too important to be understated about this. We need to be deliberate about what we do, what we say to bring about our compelling reason why. We need to connect our people and our place and our planet with practice that's being driven by a strong sense of purpose about what it is what we do. That's the fourth and final ingredient. It's about being intentionally purposeful. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm salivating now, Adriana. We've made this pie. <laughs> what are we waiting for? And where's the tomato sauce? Yes, I know you love your tomato sauce there, Phil. I love your passion in what you just shared there. And, and you know what's really important for us to, to recognise and remember is that we've, we've been so fortunate in this last, you know, 12 to 14 months to meet so many game changers who are doing exactly what you're, you're encouraging right there. And that's why we remain so hopeful. This kind of fierce urgency of the now relates to this imperative that we, we, we need to connect our purpose to the needs of our COVID children and, of course, all those that follow that we now need a new story, a new social contract, or in the Star Wars vernacular, a new hope. One that reimagines schooling and all of society. 
one that is deeply human-centered and highly inclusive, technology-enriched, people, place, and planet-conscious, and of course, as you said, the final ingredient, intentionally purposeful. And for me, all of that is daringly hope-filled. For ultimately, life remains this kind of great journey of self-actualization and personal discovery. There are moments, Phil, you know, on mountaintops of unbridled joy and, of course, moments in deep valleys of despair. But alas, life is there for a succession of moments, encounters with learning. And I particularly savour those moments of learning we enjoy that kind of take us by surprise, those moments that seize us, that envelop all of our senses and captivate our heart. You know, uh, what's interesting is the Chinese symbol for the word crisis. If you ever get an opportunity to our listeners out there to look at what that word looks like, it's written using two strokes of a pen. One stroke stands for danger, or I like to call fear. And the other stroke is about opportunity. And I'm going to reframe that and call that love. The notion of hope, therefore, gives us the permission to triumph and the courage to wake up and chase our dreams, our opportunities from this deep construct of love. And it ultimately is hope-filled. We need to embrace the true meaning of community. We should develop schools that are outward in their thinking and open to building local, regional, and global partnerships that expose us to new horizons and opportunities to have more of those kind of aha moments of discovery that I mentioned a moment ago. Moments in learning that inform and form self, that speak to the profoundness of place and our planet and of course, the inherent possibility of the other. All kind of revolutionary ideas, you know, if you'll begin with this kind of far-fetched dream, grown from the hope for a, for a better world someday, somewhere. When you're looking into the sky and, and ultimately you're feeling hopeless, overwhelmed, or even paralyzed by that construct of fear for that next step, remember, there are footprints on the moon. Today, we should make this type of learning ecosystem our difference, our audacious, hope-filled aspiration, our own great adventure, the great adventure of truly becoming for self, place, and the other. Thanks, mate. That's just lovely. That's just lovely. What's, what's hope got to do with it? Well, hope allows us to see those possibilities that might otherwise lie unseen in the darkness. Hope is that light that shows us the way but we have to act or the light will be extinguished, leaving us with nothing more than a pleasant memory, an intriguing thought, or perhaps even a moment of regret. So we can't wait for things to happen. And we can't wait for things to happen to us. We have to do something to claim our purpose and to fulfill the promise of this hope. We need to carry the torch forward and show others the way. It's this spirit that needs to inhabit the ecosystem of learning in our world and it's that which we want to explore in this series. There's so much yet to do. Series six of the Game Changers podcast will once again have 10 remarkable educators, thinkers and social entrepreneurs who will challenge our binary thinking and inspire us with this new hope. Game Changers who will light the torch for us and show us the way to build schools and even society differently. I can't wait to talk to the Game Changers, mate. Let's go. Game Changers is a podcast for those who want to change the game of school. Produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and powered by our School for Tomorrow, Game Changers is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and SoundCloud. Tell your friends and don't forget to subscribe. Let's go.